Hey, this is Dwayne Larson, and welcome to It's a Music Thing, a podcast about, well, you guessed it, music. Each week, I'll try to bring you new stories from artists and other people in the music industry. I want to make this podcast one of your go-to music podcasts. There are a few ways you can help me make this happen. Go subscribe on iTunes, and if you feel so inclined, rate us. Also, tell your friends about It's a Music Thing. Nothing like word-of-mouth advertising. That goes a long, long way. Also, check out and follow our social media pages. It's a Music Thing MB on Instagram. Uh, on Facebook, it's It's a Music Thing. The website is It's a Music Thing.com. Also, if you f- want to, drop me a line at It's a Music Thing mb at gmail.ca if you have a show idea or would like to be interviewed or heck maybe you even know someone that wants to be interviewed all right enough of my droning on and on let's get on with the show Everybody, it's Dwayne from It's a Music Thing, the podcast, and I want to thank you once again for tuning in and listening to me blather on about, you know, sometimes it's about bands you know, sometimes it's about bands you don't. This one is probably about a band you don't know, but maybe you do, and that's amazing if you do. Uh, I got a chance to sit down with Dave from the band called, named, known as Dragged In, and they are from Toronto, and they're kind of a... Uh, what's the best way to explain them? They're they're kind of hardcore. I'm on their Instagram. It's in Instagram on their Facebook page right now, and they they're self described as dragged in as a five piece hardcore band from Toronto, offering if I could read that'd be great. Offering a distinguished blend of hardcore punk, stoner metal, and thrash riffs slathered in ranch. Now, I don't like ranch that much. Maybe you know slathered in a a nice. Uh, French dressing, maybe? I don't know. But yeah, I got a chance to sit down and talk to Dave. And we we talk about the band, how it came to be. And like like any time I get a chance to talk to somebody one-on-one, we we started all the way from the beginning, talk about his his musical past, how he got to playing in Dragged In. And so far to date, they have two EPs released on their their Bandcamp page, which will be in the, the links and all that stuff. And one LP called uh, LP1, and just self-titled Dragged In, LP1. And they actually just released this on vinyl. So when we recorded it, uh, there hadn't been any kind of... Uh, or there's probably plans to do it, but they couldn't tell us or tell me or whatever. But... They, they've released this in vinyl, two different color variants, uh, a red one and it looks like a white blood splattered one uh, on Cursed Blessings Records records from Toronto. So again, that'll be in the, the description. You can go check it out, go get it, uh, and you can even get some, you can win some stuff. Like, I'm just looking at their stuff right now. First hunter purchases, get a free dragged in patch and a chance to win some van shoes, courtesy of Hammer Skateboard Shop. So... Yeah, uh, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm just going to quit talking. Thank you for your support, and I hope everybody enjoys the my conversation with Dave from Dragged In. All right, first and foremost, uh, who am I? Who do I get to talk to today? My name's Dave, uh, Dave Fenton, and I play bass in a band called Dragged In out of Toronto. I was going to say, everyone leaves out, leaves out where they're from, and I'm like, and you're from? Okay, <laughs> there we go. And... 
Um, I guess first off, kind of something I always like to do when I get to talk to maybe not the whole band, but just a singular person in the band is I like to start it off with, do you remember the first time you heard music that wasn't like a lullaby or something like that as a child and when it really kind of hit home with you? Uh, I think uh, for me, the first time I heard music that wasn't my parents that really hit home with me was uh, at the neighbor's house, actually. And they were playing uh, some Beatles stuff. Uh, and it was like the twist and shout era. So like, you know, the Ed Sullivan kind of era, Beatles, um, British invasion stuff. And uh, I just remember really liking that style of rock and roll. Um, my, my parents were more into like, Elton John and and the Beach Boys and oh, okay. stuff like that, but um, I just remembered it was very kind of like blues oriented. I I, I dug it, but um, yeah, that was kind of the first time where I was like, "That's a little edgier than what I'm used to hearing at home." <laughs> I could. What what were you used to hearing at home? Yeah, just they really. I, my my dad loves Willie Nelson. Oh, okay, which isn't like I guess it's not the worst thing, but. Um, it kind of is the worst thing at the same time. Um, yeah, I don't know. So that's kind of his thing. And my mom's big into like musical theater stuff. So oh, she okay. A lot of really crappy stuff in that regard. But uh, I, but the, you know, from popular music, they did like the Beach Boys for whatever that's worth. But not really the stuff for me that you know the deep cuts where they got a lot cooler, but more the like popularized like you know surfing USA. Yeah stuff yeah well you, you definitely have one over on me because my parents might well first of all like they both hated the beatles my mom called them yeah yeah music so yeah you know growing up there was none of that but i got a lot of like polka music so you, you you've got one up on me yeah my grandparents were my, my grandmother was a uh a piano teacher and they always at their place and we spent a lot of time there growing up and a lot of time with them when we were growing up, they always listened to classical music. That's always what was playing. So that was always in the background as well. So um, I guess as a, you know, counterpoint to all of that, I got into hardcore and punk uh, <laughs> when I was early on in high school and never really looked back since. And so growing up, when did you, did you, are you born, born, raised in Toronto? Um, I lived, I was not born in Toronto. I was actually born in Germany. Um, I was a bit of a base brat. My parents, my dad was in the uh, military when we were born, both my brother and I. So we were born in large Germany. And then we moved to Canada when we were younger, like three, I okay. think I was when I came. Um, and we lived in Toronto until I was about 10 or 11. And then my parents decided to move up to northern Ontario to a smaller community called uh, Bob Cajun. Oh, okay. Which I'm constantly reminded is apparently a song by the Tragically Hip. It is. Um, and, and so anyway, um, we, we moved up there, and uh, I went there through high school, um, and then came back to uh, came back to Toronto uh, for university, and haven't looked back. So I've been in Toronto now for the last uh, twenty years. Okay, straight. So so growing up yeah, in so Nor the majority of my life. So growing up in Northern Ontario in, in Bob Cajun, how did you get exposed to like hardcore punk? Was there any kind of a, like a scene up there? Yeah. So there was, um, 
when I got to high school, I was by that point playing bass already uh, through like school bands and stuff. And when I got to high school, there was uh, a hardcore band in Lindsay, which is where I went to high school. It was about 30 minutes away from Bob Cajun. And um, there's a hardcore band there called The Feds, F-H-E-D-S. And uh, so they were the only hardcore band. And I played in uh, the high school jazz band with the guitarist from that group. And he's like, hey, man, we're looking for a bass player. So um, I, I ended up drunkenly <laughs> propositioning them to make me the bass player. And I was just like 14-year-old little puke of a kid. Yeah. They were they were already like older themselves. They were like 20, 21. So I was like the young kid who was going up to them drunk and being like, you know, going to the drummer saying, hey, put a good word in with the singer for me. I want to play in the band and stuff. And so – um, they gave me an audition and I was pretty motivated. I think I learned their entire catalog for the audition and, and went in like I, I really wanted to play in, in that band in particular. And so um, they gave me a shot and we went and did that band for a bunch of years and released a couple of records and played a bunch of gigs. And um, so the drummer of that band is actually currently the drummer in Dragged In, Bruce. Okay. And, um, Bruce and Matt years after the feds uh, dissolved, they went and played in a band out of Toronto called End Program, who you may have heard of. Mm -hmm. They were a terrific hardcore band. And actually, the guitarist from End Program, uh, Cox, plays guitar in Dragon and actually recorded our album. So there's a little bit of, uh, you know, interrelations to that first band that I played in to everything that's going on now. But that was probably what got me my first exposure to hardcore and punk music was when I joined that band, um, my main frame of reference at that point to, to hardcore was a lot of the instrumental stuff that the Beastie Boys had done, um, which in turn got me listening to Bad Brains a little bit. But um, Matt, when I joined the band, gave me this stack of tapes that included Fagel Abortions, Suicidal Tendencies, GBH, Poison Idea, like just pretty much anything and everything you'd ever want to listen yeah. to was in that stack of tapes. And I remember just like the first time I put one of those cassettes in, in my mom's car while we were driving home from <laughs> Lindsay. It was at, it was Two Dogs Fucking by Dago Abortions, that, that album. And I just remember putting it in and I was just like blown away. Like not only the like the musicianship, like the the energy, the aggression, but then also like the the satire and the lyrics and the message. Like just it was a full package. It was like I just in that moment found what I'd been searching for out of music forever. And mm -hmm. it was just all right there it made so much sense i didn't want to do anything else and that was just the cassette and then by the time we got playing gigs and stuff and i got to see what uh the scene was like in the shows it was just for me it was you know i knew i kind of found my place and i haven't really looked back ever since it's just it's always you know punk and hardcore has always been like this clubhouse where you always go to get away like your secret kind of shangri-la or whatever you want to call it where you just go to get away and it's an outlet for letting go of stress and like-minded individuals. And so that's kind of, it was the beginning of the end for me. So, so growing up in, in Northern Ontario, playing with the feds, you said you, you guys had like recorded a couple, couple albums. Mm -hmm. Did, did you get a chance to do very much any kind of touring? We used to play a lot, man. Um, so there was like a scene that kind of ran up out of Lindsay, they'd put on shows for the local bands to play and bring in like a headliner from out of town. And those would happen, you know, once every month, once every couple of months, there's that happening. And we weren't too far from Peterborough, which had its own scene. But what we really got into 
ourselves is we really latched on to the scene that was happening in Oshawa, Ontario. Okay. Um, there's a lot of that were signed out of there that were signed to a label called Raw Energy. Um, so there's like Out of Hand, Double Standard. Um, there's also bands like Trunk and Jersey that would come and play, Trigger Happy. Um, and so we kind of got in with those bands and we, we started playing another one that was out of there, actually Figure Four. I got to mention oh, as well because yep. we, we, we had some, some great times with those guys. And, and um, so we'd go and we'd play Oshawa a bunch. There's a lot of shows happening in around that area. We'd go on any given weekend and, you know, play Oshawa and then go further east or west on the 401 and hit a few couple of other towns. So we do these like mini kind of weekend runs where we go out and play three or four nights of the weekend and then um, go back to school for me or back to work for, for the other dudes. And that was just kind of what we did is we played a bunch like that. So we met a bunch of bands from Toronto, like Random Killing uh, and Dirty Bird, who, who we played a bunch with back in those days. Um, and it was just a lot of fun, man. There's a real, there's a real vibrant kind of scene and community and uh, a lot of shows that you kind of wouldn't see nowadays. Like they would, they're put on all ages shows in, in the, uh, you know, upstairs of a hockey rink yeah. and just have <laughs> punks from all over the place up there of all ages, just having a good time, man. And like, you know, the kids were doing their normal stuff that they do at punk shows. And there's, I guess in, you know, a, an overbearing parent size, there was, you know, some, some wrongdoings going on, but it was nothing like no trouble. Right. It was yeah. we never caused any trouble. We never wrecked the place. We just went out, did our thing, had a good time. Kids would mosh, bands would play. It was fun. It was awesome. We did that for a number of years, the entire time I was in the band. It was great. And so then when you moved to Toronto, you, you said you'd been like, like the, the Toronto bands would come through <clears throat> and play. So did you start forming relationships with Toronto bands? So when you moved to go to, to go to school, were you already kind of like ingratiated into the scene? Like you knew some people? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, when I, I remember when I first moved to Toronto, um, the, the guys from out of hand, they kind of parted ways with their bass players. So I actually within a year started living with those guys and started playing bass and out of hand and we started playing gigs around and stuff. So um, it, it, was, it was great kind of having that, I guess, baseline of previous relationships when I moved in because that, you know, I just kind of showed up and then boom. Here's the Toronto scene and welcome to it. There, there's a lot of people that were really, uh, really gracious and welcoming and ma made it super inclusive. I mean, there's always going to be people that are like, who's this kid? I don't know, <laughs> whatever. But um, for the most part, you know, the, the, they were really, really welcoming and it was really inclusive. And, uh, you know, the, the market scene was really awesome. And, you know, I have friends for life. Absolutely. From a lot of those kind of early days. And I mean, I guess, especially from the early days, because you were got into it very early. Um, how have you seen the like specifically more like the hardcore scene grow or change within Toronto? Um, so, like, the one thing that's kind of happened over years and I don't know if it's necessarily good or bad or whatever. It's just the way it is. It's, it's become somewhat fragmented in, in certain regards. Like there's, uh, there's always going to be in Toronto, there's always going to be like the, the market punks, the, the classic like BFG kind of, uh, I guess, lineage to that one of the Kensington market is always going to be kind of the epicenter for a lot of the, the punks. Um, and then, you know, there's some other scenes like the not dead yet, uh, group that they do their kind of diy shows mm -hmm. and they, they have their own little fest and that's a, a, a kind of certain following of bands 
Um, and, and then there's just kind of this middle ground where everything kind of comes together and everybody yeah. meets. I would say that's probably out of the bovine for the most part. Like they do a good job of kind of wrangling all the different kind of fragments together into one as much as they can. Um, but yeah, so there is a little bit and each of them kind of have their own, I don't want to say ideals, but their own kind of way of looking at the world. And um, so it's, it's different. So some are a little more, uh, you know, I guess politically minded. Mm -hmm. um, others are kind of not so inclined and more about having a good time. Yeah. Um, and then th th there's that middle ground that's kind of a hybrid of both. So, but overall, I'd say, yeah, Toronto scene tends to be a little fragmented at the moment. Um, but you know, there, there's a lot of sandboxes to play in, and they're all fun. Yeah, which is which is phenomenal. That kind of sounds like kind. I mean, I'm not too much into the uh, the hardcore scene here in Winnipeg, um, but it definitely seems like there's different um, factions. Not the right word, but like yeah, different fragments of like this one promoter will bring in bands that I've never heard of, and then I always go to the shows and always have so much fun. And then there's mm. you know some other guys that bring in again completely different stuff and it's it all just kind of meshes and everyone plays really nice here which is great yeah and there, you know there's one other scene too that does kind of more of the uh like i guess i'll call it like the modern hardcore like the, oh, okay the more metal influenced kind of stuff um and they bring in a bunch of those bands, but like, regardless of the, the fragmentations, I think, you know, there's great bands in every kind of subgenre. Mm -hmm. And if you're a fan of music, you're going to be able to like anything that's great, I think. And it's just a matter of going out and finding those scenes and just experiencing them. Right. That's really it. Like the, you can go to a hole in the wall bar and see a band that's going to blow your mind. Yep. If you're open to it, yeah. you go in there thinking I'm going to have a terrible time because it's not where I like to hang out. Then you're going to have a terrible time. Exactly. You're yeah. I, I agree a hundred percent with you. And I mean, I'm, I'm much more the mindset that I want to go to the hole in the wall bar and just be surprised. Like I, I definitely go to shows where, you know, you, I, I don't, I maybe know one of the bands on the bill that might be local and the other two are touring. And it's like, I go check it out. If you don't like it, you can, stand in the back and drink a beer yeah and for me like live music is the ultimate litmus test for any band yes uh, if they if they can pull it off and, and do their thing well live then they're a great band and that's usually how i, I find a lot of my new music I, I, i'm you know the internet's good for kind of discovering maybe some things but i, I always want to see them live before I really dive into them because that's that's for me is the ultimate test. Can you? And there's a lot you can hide. Can you hide think in the studio? Can you think of a band that that did that for you like recently? Like where you you heard them online? You're like, okay, can can they do this live? And then you went and saw them, and they just blew you out of the water. Yeah, um, pears. Oh yeah. Band. I don't know if you know that band. I, yep. Um, the live. I had like I had to pick my job by the end of this. <laughs> like honestly speaking, I've seen them a couple of times now, and but the first time I remember seeing them, um, I, I a friend of mine. Well, actually, not, Patty, who sings in our band, his band Brutal Youth, yep. was uh, doing a run of shows with them, and they were playing in Ottawa together. And I happened to be in Ottawa um, for work at that point, and 
so I just chanced it. I listened to them online. I was like, oh, I'll go check it out. Why not? And when I saw them live, I was like, this is a different animal. This band is insane. Mm-hmm. Like the energy, the intensity, their, their front man's a, like absolute maniac. Like everybody in that band, just insane musicians. I, I like, I've never been happier to have gone on a whim to see a band in my life. And I saw him again a, a few months later. We actually played with them in Toronto. And again, it was just same kind of experience. It just had to pick my job at the end. Yeah. It was just incredible band and you know they 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 get to play a lot when people are playing live shows. <laughs> yeah um, they, they they play a lot they work really hard and they're just a great bunch of dudes and, and like really 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 good at what they do and it's not necessarily like you know they're they are a fat rex band and they have elements of like that i guess quintessential fat rex band sound but they do a lot of things differently than yeah. that and it's really cool have you have you had a chance to delve into the new record too much um, I haven't gotten into the new one as much as I hoped because we've been busy uh, getting ours ready and, mm-hmm. and really good stuff. So I, I've been meaning to, but I really like the Green Star one that they did before that. Yeah, like it was. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to hear the new one. I, I think I heard the first couple of tunes and I, I dug it. Um, I just haven't listened to the rest of the record yet. Yeah, it it comes up occasionally when I'm when I'm going for a run, and then I actually have to like not stop, but just remember how long the songs ago were and then go back and i was like holy shit that's that's that band like they 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 sound so good they're yeah. they're they're definitely one of my newest obsessions as well yeah and i just love the way that um they they construct their melodies and their their harmonies it, it it's again it's really different it's almost dissonant at times it's just there, there's a lot to process and think about about how they put their songs together and it's really interesting for me and so you had said that you, you had a chance to play with them um, yeah. in, with, with Dragged In. And so yeah. I guess um, how did Dragged In kind of come full circle to being a band? You said the, the drummer you have now was you've known for a long time. Yeah, 20, 25 years. <laughs> um, and, and so we started uh, – I guess the journey starts with Marty and I, uh, the guitarist, um, and he plays in a bunch of Toronto bands too. If uh, anybody's a fan of Lilum or Sago, Marty plays uh, guitar in both of those bands. Um, so we were playing in a band that's uh, since broken up called Deadmouth, which mm-hmm. is like a, a hardcore band. Um, and so just as we were kind of wrapping up the lifespan of that band, Bruce had come in to fill in on drums because our drummer got incredibly busy uh, with his, his job as a chef and he wasn't able to make a bunch of gigs that we had lined up. So um, Bruce came in to fill in on drums. And so we, we wrapped up those gigs and Bruce came in like it was automatic kind of thing. It just mm-hmm. he fitted perfectly and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, and so we, we, we just decided after that, that we wanted to keep jamming together and, um, so that band ran its course and him and Marty and I kept jamming together and, and we just churned out a bunch of songs. Like we, one thing that I always do at home is I'm always playing guitar or I'm playing bass. And so as a result, we're always coming up with new riff ideas and they're always coming in the jam. And so we just had a, a, basically a set worth of new material. And um, we decided that, well, let's try to find a singer. So we went and... Um, Bruce that year at Puza Fest in Montreal uh, was there and Patty was there with Brutal Youth 
and they got to talking and Bruce had mentioned kind of what we'd been up to and said to Patty, well, hey, would you be interested in coming to sing? And Patty said, yeah, sure. And so a bunch of weeks went by and Patty never turned up to jam. And Marty actually ended up seeing him at a mutual friend of ours, uh, Brad Manners, who sings in a band called School Damages Place. And um, and if anybody's listening, they like School Damage, great punk, uh, pop punk band out of Toronto. Um, and so Patty and Marty were talking and uh, Marty brought it up again. Patty said, oh, yeah, OK. And then <laughs> two weeks went by and he never showed up. And then finally, Patty shows up. Um, and it was just kind of like instantly we played two songs and he just jumped in and started like improvising some vocal lines. But it was just like the sound of his voice and like the rhythm of what he was going to be saying eventually when he had actual words. Um, you could just tell it was going to be the sound. That was like what we were hoping it would be. And so um, we got to tracking our first EP, which was EP1. And we recorded a bunch of those tunes. Um, ourselves and we brought them to uh, our friend Cox as I said who played guitar and end program with Bruce he has he runs a studio out of his house in a company called Dark Productions uh, so he does a, a lot of the Toronto punk bands he records them from his home studio um, and does a lot of the editing and mixing and stuff and then he also does location sound for documentaries so um, he did the, the the mixing on that record and he said wow this sounds really good and we got to talk and saying like, well, we could really use like another guitar player to round out the lineup and the sound. Well, what are you, you into playing? He's like, yeah, man, I'd love to. So we brought him in. And again, that was like, you know, a natural fit. Mm -hmm. Cox is something that I met 20 years ago because um, when he first moved to Toronto from Kingston, he was going to uh, Ryerson. Um, and while he was there in first year, one of my best friends from back home in Lindsay was going to Ryerson. So I used to go over there to hang out and, uh, do a bunch of things that you probably shouldn't mention on podcasts <laughs> and um, i mean you can cox was there well okay. yeah we just you know that's what we what, what you do when you're 19 or 20 years yep. old um and so you know cox was always there at, at, at ryerson and uh i i met him there and then you know circle back to all these years later we started meeting each other at shows and stuff and he started playing in bands that i would be going to see and so all that stuff it's just kind of the six degrees of separation of everybody known each other for a long time so it's a, a good nucleus of friends that's kind of what started it friendships with marty and bruce and and, and and cox and it just kind of all evolved around and revolved around music and um that's kind of how we came to be is we just all these pieces came together and we haven't been looking back since then that was probably going back about five or six years ago now but we've just been constantly writing and um you know any given time we probably have about five or six uh songs kind of on the back burner waiting to be recorded and that's always been the way we've operated just writing all the time practicing all the time we as much as we can you know obviously now we're not doing it because of the social distancing and stuff yeah. but we've always a regular weekly jam schedule and then playing gigs whenever we can and something that always interests me about bands is and i know you guys probably get asked this all the time but it's always interesting is how they write because you had mentioned that you know you'll bring in a riff or you're always, you know, while you're at home, you're, you're writing on guitar or bass or whatever. Um, are you guys like a riff band where everything gets built around a riff? Um, we can be. So my process, the way I like to write, I like to write kind of full ideas. So I'll, I'll try to do like a, a, a verse riff, a chorus riff, you know, and 
at least that to bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll piece in bridges and intros and outros as we need to. Um, and so that's usually where it starts for me. And I'll, I'll try to bring that in when I bring something in. And then once it comes into jam, you know, usually with that, I'll have an idea of a certain kind of groove that I want to play on the bass and that I probably want to have something similar match from a drumming standpoint. So we kind of talk, talk about that kind of thing. And then everybody kind of just has at it and does their own thing on it. Because so, Marty has a real unique way of the way he hears a melody and, and the way he plays a melody. It's different than a lot of guitarists that I've ever played with, but it's really like it's his own unique thing and it's really cool. And the ideas he comes up with are never anything that I'd ever be able to concoct in my head. <laughs> um, and similarly, Cox, when he writes riffs and stuff in his parts, he, he has a, a certain way of, of hearing it too. And he he tends to really cater to the side of my brain that likes like kind of dissonant, uh, kind of raw sounding things. And so... Um, everybody kind of puts their own spin on their own parts and then it kind of comes together. And sometimes we rewrite original ideas that come in. So um, that would be like a process if I were to bring some riffs in. Uh, Marty usually has like some riffs that he brings in and then we'll jam them and, you know, Cox or I will take it home and then come back in with like an interpretation on that. And maybe we'll rearrange a few things around that. So um, that's kind of, and then there's other times where we each kind of bring in a riff and they all end up, being kind of meshed together into a song so it's a, a real collaborative process yeah and, and it, it's one where it can start with a riff but oftentimes it starts with a little like a, a couple of riffs kind of fused together for like a verse course some kind of structure so that we can at least play through something and then does patty do all the uh all the the lyrics yeah he normally does all the lyrics um and he he does arrange a lot of tunes as well so we'll we'll write a song usually in its entirety and then Patty will come in and say, Hey, can you double up that chorus or, or can you cut that verse in half or something like that? Or oh, that guy, guys, that's terrible. It needs a bridge. <laughs> and, uh, that's usually when, when he gets involved and he writes all the words, except on the latest album, um, there was one song where he was kind of stuck and I wrote the, the words for it. Um, but that was the first kind of time that that ever happens. Usually he'll pass me his lyrics and we'll do a bit of back and forth on like what he's saying, but he's, he's a really good writer, man. And um, like, he's got a lot of great ideas. So try not to stand in, in the way of that too much. Yeah. And, and how did you enjoy being able to kind of put pen to paper and, and do lyrics for the band? Um, I kind of hate it <laughs> uh, in the sense that it, like, it, you know, it was, it was, it had to get done at that point. Um, but, I just find it's a very vulnerable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'm just kind of, I guess, self-aware in the sense that I don't want to write something that's douchey or, or cheesy or, you know, is unimportant. I think it's such a unique platform that um, you don't want to waste your words, right? So, um, I, 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 I mean, in in retrospect, I think it came out okay, um, but it, it's it's a very like you're leaving yourself open for for a lot of criticism in that sense. Yeah. And I'm sure like it, it, interpretation too. Cause like, I, I can't even imagine yeah. like the person that writes the songs, if they write it about, you know, a partner or a life experience and then having people be like, well, was that about me? Must be mm-hmm. super, maybe heavy at times. 
Yeah, and especially in those instances where it is about that person, yeah. and you're having to be like, no. <laughs> yeah. That's I've I've talked to other people about this, and it's like it's like kind of like dating a uh, like if you ever dated a comedian, hearing them talk about your personal life up on stage. So it's the same thing, you know, singer songwriter having to, you know, muddy those waters a little bit. It's got to be tough. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so you guys have two EPs and uh, you just released a full length on the 28th mm -hmm. of 2020. So just before all this wonderful stuff kind of popped off. And something that I love because I'm a photographer is your cover art. It is an incredible. I'm assuming that's a photo, not a painting. Yeah, it's a photo. Yeah. And I mean, first of all, who took it and why? What drew you to that photo? Like, why put it on the front? Um, so Patty chose that, um, that image and, uh, he, I think was pretty inspired by, you know, something very literal for, um, you know, the concept of dragged in. Um, so we had a lot of imagery around, uh, some of our, our merch and stuff with that kind of concept of, you know. Uh, crocodiles or alligators dragging people away uh, or, or dragging their prey, what what have you. Um, and so that's kind of where the, the, I think the gator image came from. Um, and so so that was an, uh, uh, taken by um, a wildlife photographer. And uh, I'm just trying to see if I can find his name here. It's escaping me at the moment. Um, I, I think it's Phil something. Um, and it's a, it's a photo that he took and Patty reached out to him saying, hey, like we love this photo uh and we're, we're wondering if, if we could use it for our cover art and the guy said yeah man no problem and so that's kind of where it came about um and it, it's it, i think it's a really cool image myself um it's one of those things that like you look at it a couple of times and you're like what the hell is that and yeah you get in close you're like oh that's what it is yeah. i saw something completely different and you know when i first saw it i thought it was like uh some kind of like rendition of the, the that classic like Joy Division uh, cover and t oh, okay, and um, that wasn't the case at all. And yeah, yeah first so first front... first glimpse, it kind of like when I saw it, it was I'm like, is that a rock? Like a mountain double back, like just r mountain range kind of thing. Yeah, and it what's cool about it is um, so. The, photographer's name is phil and it's phil lanou l-a-n-o-u-e and um he, he has some incredible images and that one in particular it's it's just the head it's the head of an alligator coming out of the water and the white that you see is actually the water now um we did add a bit of an effect to it to make it look a little grayer in spots with mm -hmm. the contrasting but literally the white is that's just the gator's head coming out of the water and the reflection of the sky on the water and so how have you guys, because you released it um, in April, how have you found with this whole kind of like pandemic lockdown quarantining thing, how have you found it affecting the release? So we were kind of sitting there with the record mastered and mixed and done before all of this started taking place. And we were starting to put together our plans for, you know, playing some gigs. We had uh, a lineup of shows with Sick of It All and Agnostic Front. I saw uh, that. Direct support. And so 
um, you know, we're we're actually going to hold off until after those shows, hold off on releasing it until after then, because we weren't going to be able to get our physical copies of any records pressed in time or CDs made. So we were like, well, let's just wait until after, but we'll go back uh, with the record, you know, uh, within a few months after those Sick of It All Agnostic front dates. And that was kind of going to be our plan. And then all of this stuff hit, and then all of that kind of got postponed and what have you. So, um, you know, it, it's changed our plans considerably in the sense that um, we don't know when we're going to be able to do an actual physical release as well as a record release show, which, mm -hmm. you, you know, you like to do. And then what we're going to be doing as far as our, our release dates, because uh, there seems to be a lot up in the air about how concerts are going to happen in the near future and what the plans are for that. And so we're, we're just going to kind of have to wait and roll with the punches. But what we did want to do is we wanted to get the record out there to people while they're still hanging around uh, home with nothing to do and at least have, you know, a captive audience, so to speak, of people that are looking for things to do, like listen to records and yeah. have an appetite to do it. So what we did in conjunction with the digital release is we put together a lot of um, different videos, lyric videos. We went and recorded a co-video um, with, you know, social distancing in mind um, and uh, we released that and so we have a bunch of other we did a video for every song um on the album oh, so wow. there's either a lyric video or an actual video for every song on the album we haven't released them all yet there's been certain ones that have been uh uniquely uh and exclusively released through some of the other interview channels mm -hmm. uh, that we've done um but for the most part there's going to be a bunch more coming up in the upcoming weeks that we're going to put out there i was going to say the the newest one you guys just released blackest moments was very uh it was very covid inspired yeah, it was. Yeah, we, we went in, each member went in on their own into the uh, the jam space and, and recorded their, their snippets. And then it all came together and uh, I edited it at home and we put it all together. It was, it was a fun little thing. I, I've been actually enjoying spending my non-working hours doing that kind of stuff. Um, and so you, you cut fun. all that together yeah. then? Yeah, yeah. I've been training myself in the art of video editing. And it's... I have a friend actually... Uh, who works in in color grading he does like he's a colorist for oh, okay. a lot of uh, commercial film productions and so i sent it off to him and he kind of touched it up and made it look nicer <laughs> it's 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 a whole different world that that video stuff <clears throat> yeah it is it is it's been uh, luckily they've made a lot of it pretty user-friendly these yeah. days so um yeah i've been learning on the fly and so you had said that you had a, a, a stretch of dates with Sick of It All and Agnostic Front. Had you had, you had a chance to play with them before or see them? Uh, yes, I've seen both of them many times. Um, I, and uh, we played with Sick of It All at Pooza Fest. We were on the same bill uh, when they headlined there a few years ago. Um, and I was actually fortunate that I guitar teched for Pete from sick of it all uh, for a few dates when they were through with uh, suicidal tendencies oh nice um, yeah and so what's funny is so um, the way those gigs came about was our friend uh, Chuck Coles who plays guitar in creep show and plays bass in rules and also does incredible solo stuff and is a singer and songwriter with organ thieves as well um, he he put us in, in uh, their ear about those gigs. I guess he was talking with Lou from Sick of It All about uh, 
those shows and Lou's like, who, who could we get? And he said, get dragged in. And so uh, they reached out to us and we said, yeah, sure. So that's kind of how it all came about. And so what was uh, guitar teching for them like? Because, I mean, they're, 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 uh, they're tried and true, like, OG hardcore bands. So they probably have everything pretty much on, on not autopilot, but on lockdown. Yeah, well, they're just consummate professionals and incredible at what they do. Um, and to, to get to see, I guess, behind the curtain, so to speak, uh, uh, as to how it's all put together, I mean, mm-hmm. they're, it, I don't know. It's, it's inspiring <laughs> and it's incredible. Um, th- like top to bottom, it's just such a professional outfit. Uh, th- their, their road crew, uh, Noodles, who, who oversees all that, that guy's amazing at his job. And, um, you know, they, they genuine all of what they do comes from them wanting to just be the best at what they do like they put a lot of effort into it and they care about it and um you know it comes through in their performance uh, there there are a lot of 20 year olds that don't go as hard as those guys and mm-hmm. they're pushing 50 a lot of them right and um it's coming from a real genuine place of they love what they do and they love hardcore and that they, they are as real as it gets there's no artifice and they're just all of them the nicest people so um there's there's a lesson in that right uh, of, of humility and um just you know doing well unto others and working really hard at what you want to do well at and so being able to see behind that curtain is there anything that you took away from that experience and like tried to bring into dragged in um other than you obviously love hardcore and are doing it because you love doing it which that's why we the, you know we're not making millions doing the stuff we love doing we we do it because no, we love it I, and i think that's the thing that it, it would just kind of reinforce that for me that you know you do it because you feel it's right and you love doing it and that's what you want to commit yourself to and like the hell with worrying about making a living if if you if you're doing what you're doing well and and all of that stuff you know good things will come from it so it's just you know stay true to who you are and what you want to do and and that'll be I, I think a good guiding force for what comes next so with the the release of lp1 and you just really like i said uh released the the video for blackest moments which what what song do you have a, a video coming out for next and when can we expect to see that um, there's probably going to be one coming out soon um, for uh, Great Divide is the, the next one that's kind of in production. The, the rest of them are all done. So we're going to start trickling the rest of them out over the next uh, week or two. Mm-hmm. I'm probably giving a video every couple of days. Um, and that's going to be probably what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. Yeah. And what can people expect when they go? Because I haven't had a chance to see you guys. I've seen Patty perform with uh, with brutal youth and i think it was at that pair show but here in winnipeg and holy shit that mm-hmm. that that man is he he made my night that night by like bleeding and just giving it all and i've got some of the best photos ever from that set but with that being said what can people expect when they come see a dragged in show uh you can expect short shorts <laughs> i i saw <laughs> A lot of high jumps and no blood. No, no blood. He, he doesn't, he doesn't bleed for us. He sweats and he complains. <laughs> and, 
And uh, where can people check out Dragged In's, like, if they want to find any of your music, merch, any of that stuff? Yeah. Um, so we are available on all the streaming platforms of anyone's choice. All our catalog is up there. Um, if you want the merch, you can reach out to us through uh, our Instagram or Facebook pages. Um, and our record is available for purchase if you want a full digital copy on Bandcamp, draggedin.bandcamp.com. And just watch out for those uh, those days where Bandcamp gives the bands all the money. Yeah, those are those are great days. Um, but, you know, uh, as they say, beggars can't be choosers. So yep. we'll give them their service fees where they want them. But, yeah, if you want to support those days where they give it all to the bands, that goes a long way to helping independent art, artists such as ourselves get records pressed on uh, vinyl. So, Well, Dave, I want to thank you for sitting down and talking to me today. I know, like we had talked a little bit off air, that you're busy, you're still working, which is phenomenal. Um being able to work from home must be a good thing rather than having to go out. Yeah. Ma makes my sleep ins a lot less panicky, <laughs> but I want to thank you for sitting down and talking to me and hopefully when this is all done and you guys are allowed to tour again and we're allowed to see live music again, we can, you'll, you'll make it out West here to, to Winnipeg. Yeah. I would love to make our way out there. Um, I have fond memories of Winnipeg and, actually i have to have some family out there too anyway um yeah would love to get out that way and can't wait till we can get playing music live again and uh you know really hopeful people check out the record and enjoy it and would love to come out and play it as soon as we can awesome thanks again dave thank you thank you have a great day well there you go there is my conversation with dave from dragged in i hope everybody learned a little bit more about the band and you know, maybe that'll inspire you to go check them out. And as always, um, we're going to play three songs uh, at the end of the interview, just because that's what I like to do. And these are three of my, I, I guess, my favorites off the uh, the new record that's out on Cursed Blessings Record. Cursed Blessing Records. Why can't I say that? I don't know. Uh, a, a Toronto record label. I'm like I said at the, off the top, there's two color variants, red, and it looks like a white blood splattered one. Uh, so go, all that stuff's going to be in the description where you can check them out, uh, their Bandcamp pages. So you can check out the first couple EPs and links to where to get the label or where to get the label, where to get the record and all that good stuff, all in the description. Check it out. Thank you again for everybody's support. Um, I really hope you enjoyed or continuing to enjoy listening to these podcasts. I really enjoy doing them. I'm finally getting caught up on a lot of my backlog stuff that I did earlier in the summer slash late spring, uh, I'm going to be start doing some new stuff here very soon. Now that restrictions have eased a little bit here in Winnipeg. I mean, it's still, it's not normal. It's not going to be normal for a while, but I'm going to talk to we're we're having local shows, which is great. We're having local performances. So I want to, I want to talk to some more local guys now that are local people that I can start helping them promote doing their thing. That being said, I'm not going to cut out out of towners completely. I've still got a bunch of really good interviews lined up, some big ones. And yeah. So thank you for your support. Uh, also a big thank you to Melanie KPR for putting this all, all together and, putting introduce me to uh dave and the guys from dragged in and you know one day hopefully we'll be able to see some touring bands come through that would be great 
again, love local, support local all you can, no matter where you are, if you're in somewhere in BC, if you're somewhere in Halifax, Regina, wherever, just anything that's going on that you can help support, get out and do it. And so these are, I guess, three of my favorite songs or maybe the ones that just stuck out to me. Uh, the first one, and it's off their 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 new release called LP1. And the first song that you're going to hear is Until It Kills Me. After that, Say Something. And then the last song rounding everything off is called The Great Divide. I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody's enjoying this. And we'll see you on the next one. Until it kills me. Locking, digging, deep blue. 